you're taking your dog for a walk, exactly the same route as you normally go, down the lane, through the woods, and up the hill and back again. It takes 20 minutes. You're almost clear of the woods when it happens. One minute, everything is as it should be. The trees whispering in the cool July breeze, the birds tweeting, and then suddenly, everything goes silent, as if someone turned the world off. Your dog skitters around your legs, whimpering. Something's scaring her. You reach out to touch her, but before you can make contact, there's a blinding flash. You're thrown backwards onto the hard ground. Groaning, you try to sit up, only managing to prop yourself up on your elbows. There is a distinctly metallic taste in the air, and a bright flash is still warping your vision. You blink, trying to clear your vision, but only make yourself dizzy. Then your dog starts going absolutely crazy, barking and snarling at something in front of you. You stare forwards, trying to clear your vision. There is something there. No, not a something. A someone. A person. No, not a person. It's too tall, too thin, too... Oh God. Oh Jesus Christ. Welcome to tonight's episode of Grave History, a Macabre History podcast. I'm Teddy. I'm Katrina. And we are your hosts. We're back! We're back. We're back, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being so patient. A lot has happened. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mostly involving technical issues, illnesses, Mm -hmm. academic stuff, work stuff. Yeah. Not bad things. No, no, no. I mean, my cold was legendary. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that I decided, I made the excellent choice to go to a LARP while still not very well. What, like, camping? Well, I wasn't camping, but we were spending, like, most of the day outside. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, so by the, by the Saturday evening, I had no voice. Okay. I don't mm-hmm. blame you though, we must suffer for what we love. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, occasionally you have to go and roleplay the post-apocalypse so you can remember that this isn't quite the post-apocalypse. It's the pre-apocalypse. I don't know what the apocalypse is going to be like. I hope it's at least funny when it finally happens, you know? I, I hope it's kind of Mad Mask-esque. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Because like... I've been hoarding leather for like years, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> that is that was not literally a joke in the SpongeBob movie where it's like, "Welcome to the apocalypse. I hope you like leather." <laughs> I've been watching. I've been watching. That's like a third SpongeBob reference I've made. I've been watching a lot of it recently. <laughs> <laughs> You've yeah. Now that I think about it, you have made many. I did. Was it my flatmates just watching like Arthur all the time? <laughs> uh... Because it's soothing. I just, I, it's wild that that's still going. Oh, yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's the main thing that's been happening since we've been off air, has been gay rat weddings. Yeah. Gay rat, rat rights. Gay rights. Gay rats. Both. Gay rat rights. Gay rat rights. I'm so glad Arthur said gay rat rights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was definitely the most significant thing that's happened to me in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, but we're doing a slightly different format yes 
with our episodes now, uh, we we noticed they were getting a little long. Uh-huh. And we're trying to stop that by taking it so that one host is in control of an episode. Yeah. And you get to listen to the dulcet tones of Katrina tonight. One of us is kind of the uh, the top, so to speak. Yes. Um, of the entire experience. <laughs> um, though, of course, you're not getting away lightly. I expect you to interject with uh, uh, comments, observations, and I also expect you to laugh uproariously at um, anything witty I say. Oh, I will. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Also, yeah. you're going to get some very like atmospheric I can... thunder. I just heard the thunder. That's yeah. so cool. Co- it's so boring and sunny here. There was an actual like lightning bolt <laughs> across Ooh. the sky. Well, I, in that case, that's appropriate. Yeah. I, I'm not just talking about for spooky stuff in general, but more specifically about tonight's topic, <gasps> uh, which is one I'm very keen on, and yeah. that one is going to be about UFOs. Or, I've, you know, I've sometimes heard it pronounced UFO. Uh, I'm going to say UFO because it sounds slightly less stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but specifically, we're going to be talking about the uh, phenomenon in the UK, um, which gets slightly less focused because yeah. y- the, the kind of trope codifier, uh, so to speak, is um, what happened in the States in the 40s, mm. which was two incidents. Um, in 1947, a man named Kenneth Arnold saw some uh, weird shit in the skies over Washington. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was a supposed saucer crash landing at Roswell. Ah, uh, yeah, the famous one. Yes, the very famous one. And so we went into what uh, has been called the saucer age. Um, mm. <laughs> and th- that's kind of, you know, what a lot of people think about when they think about UFOs. And a lot of the most famous abduction cases, or just sightings cases, are from the States. Um, for example, the Betty and Barney Hill incident. I think that's the most famous abduction ever. Mm-hmm. Um and also, there's a very famous one called the Travis Walton incident, which... Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, it's very interesting. They made a film of it uh, called Fire in the Sky, which is great. It's a really good movie. It's um, I don't I don't actually watch like horror movies about aliens a lot, because I don't always find them that, but that's a good one. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I totally that. recommend it. Um, but yeah, it's which is weird, considering the UFO sighting capital... Of the UK, and I, be- I I believe the world is actually in Scotland. Mm. Yes, um, and that is just sightings, though. So first of all, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, just sightings. First of all, um, the thing about UFO is that all that means is unidentified flying object, uh, yeah. which can be anything if you just suck at identifying stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, technically, if you don't know what kind of bird you're looking at that's a ufo well exactly uh most ufos are, uh, are later identified as conventional object natural phenomenon um i'll go a tiny bit into that later uh isaac asimov uh wittily pointed out if you call a ufo an alien spacecraft then it isn't really a ufo yeah because you've identified it yeah duh. so it's just an ob- object yeah. Uh, so, uh, from sort of my basis of research, what do I mean by UFO? I mean literally an unidentified flying object, and there's a huge gap between this and a craft that is being manned by an extraterrestrial being or beings. We've got to bear that in mind when we're kind of 
talking about it, when we're talking about sightings and soundings, I don't like that I wrote the word soundings, but mm. uh, I'm going to move past it. Now I'm thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, see- seeing and hearing stuff does not equal alien activity, is all I'm saying. Right. And also, I'm not going to get into speculation on the activities of aliens, which we may well save for a future episode, because that is one hell of a rabbit hole that you can mm. get lost down. Um, but I'm going to try and talk about some events that are more significant than like a slightly strange-looking light in the sky. Uh, there, yeah. Uh, there literally aren't enough hours in the day to go into every reported UFO sighting. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, there's so many. So many. I, and again, if you just suck at identifying stuff, then... Yeah. I could throw a Coke bottle across the room and if you couldn't see... I don't, I don't think that actually counts. <laughs> I'm not being sponsored by... There's also by... a lot of drunk people. That's the, like, the episode of The Simpsons where he, where they sprayed him with rum so he, there were, no one would believe him that he had a... Yes. <laughs> and then it wasn't an alien anyway. It was That was a good episode. Mr. Burns? It was Mr. Burns, yes. <laughs> I bring you love. Break his legs! Um, but this is going to be kind of a best of focusing on sightings that are significant either by volume or by content you know that have have a bit more to them a bit more meat to them um, with my usual look at explanations and psychology Um, now uh, study of UFOs is known as ufology Uh, there are a lot of societies out there uh, one of them, of course there are. Fuck okay. it. Oh, I, 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 I stole this from the pin board in my local co-op because I found um, very close to where I live. There's a group called ShareInternational.org who are doing a seminar about UFOs and their spiritual mission, and I really oh. wanted to go, but I couldn't. <laughs> I just wanted to go. To, uh, Why couldn't you? Um. I was doing some... Th- oh, uh, I <laughs> I was trying to get my gerbil to exercise because he's overweight. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> I take it very seriously and I try to do it every evening. I can tell. Uh, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> anyway... Um, so you, You're an you excellent know, gerbil mother. Thank you. So you know when you have to choose between making your making a gerbil run on a hamster wheel or going to a UFO <laughs> meeting. You know? A common problem. When you have one of those evenings. Christ on a bike. Um, but no, there are... <laughs> there, there are... Okay. Um, the, the One of the biggest UFO organisations is MUFON. I forget what that stands for, but it has a very active UK branch. Um, and it's actually it's probably one of the most legit organisations. It goes out of its way to be taken seriously. Um, yeah. So much so that a lot of its really cool merch is only available to menders, members, which is a shame because they have like these really cool patches and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I want one of those. Um, honestly, to be honest, I probably would join if I had the money because... <laughs> Kind of like ghost hunting. I like hunting for reasonable explanations because I think it makes it like spookier when you get when you you do stumble across something truly mysterious. Yeah, as opposed to like here's an orb. Oh wow, an orb. Thanks. It's just. It's just what I wanted. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> so um, first of all, uh, let's go way back a little bit. Britain has a pretty 
interesting history of UFO sightings from before aviation was a thing. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we just mean a flying object that's not been identified. Uh, so in this, in cases like this, it could be weather phenomenon, uh, a, a weird cloud, a swarm of insects, a strange flock of birds. Uh, oh, you ever ball seen lightning? Ball? Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, my dear. Yay! Dude. Yay! Um, uh, or a time traveler. Obviously, that's still an option. Uh, the first sighting, and this was mostly from the Wikipedia. Uh, was in uh, 1113 when in the sky over southwest England pilgrims say they saw a flying dragon emerging from the sea belching fire and then plunging back in as Uh, in deed you do Um, (laughs) the next reported sighting is in 1254 where in St Albans um, Mm -hmm. there was a sighting by uh, whatever dude English names (laughs) they don't matter to me Orbits I'm do- this is a power move by me. <laughs> if you can't okay. pronounce if you can't pronounce Buclu, then I'm gonna say Saint Albans however I want. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm being such a jackass tonight. <laughs> it's the Coca Cola is doing it. I'm not being sponsored by Coca Cola, by the way. I'm just really feeling it. Um, <laughs> lost in the sauce. Lost in the. <laughs> it's 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 a Coca Cola zero sugar vanilla. Ooh, delicious. Decad- live it living deliciously. Oh, um, <laughs> perfect. Yes. Um, anyway, this this craft was described as, and this is interesting because uh, it is described as a craft, um, <laughs> a large kind of ship, elegantly shaped, well equipped, and of marvelous color. Um, and the, I couldn't really get a good source on the origin of this quote, but I just mm. thought it was interesting because it implies a craft and not just like a yeah. light or something. Uh, my other favourite early sighting is actually from Ireland and mm. was recorded in the 13th century Norwegian text, The King's Mirror. Um, apparently in 1211 or in 956 AD, depending on what source you read, in the town of uh, Kleina, I think, I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, um, in County Offaly, uh, one Sunday when the population was at mass, uh, an anchor fell from the sky as if thrown from a ship. A rope was attached to it. Uh, this then got caught in the arch above the church door. Um, the people ran outside and looked up and saw a ship with men on board floating before the anchor cable and saw a man leap overboard and, da- and dive down to the anchor as if to release it. The movement of his hands and feet appeared as if he was swimming in the water. Um, when he came down to the anchor, he tried to loosen it, but the people tried to seize him. Now, uh, the man, uh, struggled away, uh, returned back up to the ship. Um, and when he was out, when he was up, the crew cut the rope and the ship sailed away. Uh, now the text said the anchor has remained in the church since then as a testimony, but, uh, spoiler, there's no anchor or a record of any anchor and it's yeah. not really clear where it happened, so, you know. Um, I found an interesting Reddit discussion where one user by the name of Double Short Brief proposes that it's a Catholic allegorical tale um, uh-huh. warning about the dangers of messing with the fairy realm and therefore paganism. Like, even if you drop anchor, once you go fairy, you can never go back. Ugh. Uh-huh. Um, but also, like... Yeah. If, if Even if you have the anchor, yeah. and people can actually come and look at the anchor... Mm-hmm. Y- anchors exist. Yes. 
They do. So you could be like, look at this anchor that I have, and you're like, yeah, that's that's, that's the definitely from, like, a harbor day. That's a fairy anchor. No, no, it's <laughs> it's not. No, it's just a normal anchor. Absolutely promise it. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but as for the, I find that one interesting because um, you know I like a good allegory, and I think UFOs mm. are ultimately an allegory, which I will talk oh, talk a bit more about at the end of the episode. So I thought that was kind of a precursor to the idea of the modern UFO, even. Um, also, I read some more of that same text, and it describes the world as a globe, which is kind of hilarious. So, what oh. what's your excuse for Earthers? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yes, uh, but we're gonna kind of move forward, very far forward. Okay. I'll strap in. Strap in, lads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the craze of the UFOs, as I've already said, started in 1947. Chances are you are well aware of this through pop cultural oh, yeah. osmosis. Um, the atomic era the atomic era exactly and you know the cold war plays a huge role in it uh, which again I'll I'll Mm. discuss a tiny bit more Um, according to the CIA's website uh, which I read newspaper reported sightings of UFOs went up very significantly in the years following the Roswell incident Um, you know they they, makes sense yeah uh, but it's also like that's what I'm like. Yeah, that's what you want me to believe, isn't it? That's what you because I'm just naturally like that with the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was the case not just in the states but all over the world. There are UFO sightings in literally every single country. Um, now we are going to be looking at our own scepter dials, of course. Yay! Uh, yay! Um, and UFOs have held interest for a lot of people. Here's here's two things I discovered. First of all, apparently Prince Charles is a big believer in UFOs. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. D- didn't you? He he believes in a lot of nonsense. I mean, he believes biscuits can cure cancer. I probably uh, organic biscuits. Oh, they're the ones that are made by his prince's trust that you can buy in Waitrose. I used to work there. Probably. Probably, yeah. Um, oh, well, that's good. I'll note that down. Um, also, in uh, 2009, if you care to recall, uh, when uh, the general election was being, you know, led up to... Oh, God, yeah. David Cameron vowed that he would publish UFO files if oh. elected. I am a thousand percent serious. Well, where are they, David? Yeah, where are they, David? Um, For fuck's sake. <laughs> There was there was another sort of wave of publishing in two thousand eleven, but as far as I'm aware, that was not as a direct result of any Tory policy. Well, um, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm aware, that has been their ultimate failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I'd like to start off with is um, an incident uh, that took place in Wales Ooh. Uh, in nineteen seventy seven. Okay, so prime drug time. Prime drug time, oh yeah. Yeah, you've always got to remember when drug time is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this incident is known as the Dyford Triangle, also known as the Broadhaven Triangle or the Welsh Triangle. It seems to have a few okay. different names, but triangles are definitely involved. Yeah, um, triangles seem to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got the Bermuda Triangle, then you've got the Dragon's mm. Triangle, you've got the, the Falkirk Triangle, which I'll talk about a tiny bit later. Um, yay. Yay. Um, yeah, like, all the other triangles tend to be, like, triangly. Yeah. 
Well, I no, guess because it's not a natural shape. Well, no. See, uh, for, for these ones, it's like um, a geographical thing. So um, mm. it kind of they're sighted between three points. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of the and there are cases of triangular UFOs. I think there's quite a famous one that took place in Belgium. Um, mm. But um, a lot of the, a lot of the craft that um, I'm going to talk about are kind of the classic alien craft, so to speak. You know, oh, like the circle, which, which is frequently described as cigar shaped. Which I always oh. yes, no, it's it's always described as cigar shaped, which I always find very peculiar because. Uh, it, presumably it means a kind of a flattened disc observed from the side when they say yeah. cigar shaped um, and uh, th- th- there seem to be a handful of uh, ones observed that are actually shaped like cigars you know oblongs um, that's really odd that's a desc- that's a ge- that's the general descriptor you will find over and over again is cigar shaped mm. Um, but yes, so this incident uh, took place in a small, primarily, it was a, like I say, it was a triangle, but it was centred in a small village in Wales called Broadhaven in Pembrokeshire. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, what happened, uh, and this information is from The Independent, uh, The 14 Times, and a site called Mm -hmm. (laughs) bestofwales.co.uk. On the 5th of February 1977, 14 10-year-old school children sighted a craft in the field beside their school. Uh, not They didn't only see the craft, they also saw um, a silver-suited creature exiting it. Uh, mm. Now, obviously no one believed them, parents, teachers, etc. Uh, and this pissed them off so much that these kids, uh, y- y- you know... <laughs> I've seen this... angry ten-year-olds. Angry ten-year-olds are a force to be reckoned with. I uh-huh. tell you, uh, when I they when I was ten, me and my best friend made a petition in our primary school because we were really mad that um, <laughs> our school play was so bad, uh, and we we got in trouble. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, that explains so much. Didn't see him. Didn't see any aliens though. But yes, so these kids actually made a petition mm. again, which they sent to the police, demanding to be taken seriously. Good. Um, the headmaster of the school then asked them to all draw the craft, and their pictures uh, matched up really well. They were all oh. a long, cigar-shaped again object with a glass dome on the top. So your kind of classic saucer. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, this would actually be the beginning of uh, what a so-called flap of UFO sightings in the area. That's that seems that seems to be the term for when you are nine years old. Just, a flap. It's such a British term. A flap. Oh a no. Flap. Bit of a flap. Oh crumbs. I think. My God. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I came across the term over and over again when I was looking at different like cases. They keep calling it a flap of UFOs. Uh, I'm so amused. I know. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Uh, sure. Uh, I will With continue. Your flap. As did the flap. So. <laughs> do you, Do you need a minute? No, I'm good. I'm a grown adult. I know. Uh, so, um, at the same school, though, some dinner ladies and teachers also said that they saw the same craft in the same place, which, you know, kind of added to their... Yeah. Um, 
uh, case a, um, a wee bit better, but larger incidents occurred to people who were not attending the school. Mm. Um, so the next prominent sighting, uh, this is according to BBC News, seemed to come from April of the same year uh, and was from a B&B owner named Rose Granville, who ran the Haven Fort Hotel in Little Haven. Now, she was asleep, uh, but was woken up at 2.30am mm. by strange noises and bright lights. Looking out so, the win- sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. No, but she got up and she looked out of the window uh-huh. where she saw what she describes as an upside-down saucer in the fields beside the hotel with okay. two faceless humanoid creatures with point- <gasps> with pointed heads. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Don't like. Don't like that, no. Uh, no. She, as, as far as I could tell, there was no description of them in silver suits, but I don't know, maybe they'd just taken their suits off. Maybe they yeah, were doing they were the alien version attached. of... Yeah, it was two teenage aliens and they parked up and they were making out, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And then they got rudely interrupted by <laughs> some... By Miss Granville. Yeah, by Mrs. Granville. Um, no, she further described feeling heat and felt like her face was being burned through the window. Um, oh. And the craft was emitting light and coloured flames. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Granville shouted... Uh, asking what they were doing there and got no response. She she went to get other... Well, wouldn't you? I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd just be like, okay, and then I'd shut the blinds and then I'd get back into bed if I saw that. Not my business. (laughs) Get a rolling pin and start trying to fight the aliens. Uh, I wouldn't use a rolling pin. I think I'd... uh... I always thought I'd use, like, if I was fighting a creature, I'd want to use a crowbar, because you want to keep my arm's length, you know what I mean? Do you have a crowbar? I do. Oh, okay, valid. I mean, it's not mine, but I have access to a crowbar. Fair. Yeah. I could probably use, like, my cane. Yes, that could That's work. That's a good length. Yes, yes. Plus, um, it functions well as a metaphor, you know? Exactly. For you overcoming everything and turning your weaknesses ultimately into your strengths. <laughs> God. Um, also, I found a box cutter in my cupboard, and it's not mine. I don't know why it's there, but I could use that. That's very close quarters. Uh, it, it could be a Malay weapon. Oh, like you yeet it. I don't think you could yeet a box cutter and cause, like... <laughs> I think you could a, try. Cause, like, a critical hit, you know? <laughs> anyway. Anyway... <laughs> She went and woke up um, some other guests to witness. Uh, but when they uh-huh. returned, the craft and the creatures were gone. I don't know about you, but I'd be really fucking pissed off if that was yeah. me. <laughs> Get woken up by the B&B owner, like, oh, there's some aliens in the garden and I need you to come and look. Yeah, I imagine, and then there's I imagine fucking it's... no aliens. It's like, God, if you're going to wake me, I'm not getting out of bed for... Marilyn Monroe wouldn't get out of bed for less than a million dollars. I'm not getting out of bed for less than two aliens. Yeah. Maybe three. Where's my aliens? Where's my aliens? Um, the next morning, though, she did check the field and found uh, about two inches of burned ground at the spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, she was so disturbed by it that she wrote a letter to her local MP, Nicholas Edwards. Um, and she described herself as agitated and disturbed and not the least bit desirous of another encounter. Uh, go uh, valid. Yeah. She went on to say, I would. Me anytime I talk to a man. Me... <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Uh, yeah. 
To which she also said, I would be pleased to hear of an explanation. It would greatly help to relieve the sense of shock I feel since my encounter, she added. Which is me any time I talk to anyone ever in real life. <laughs> and they look at me and make eye contact with me. How dare they? <laughs> Disgusting. How dare they? Uh, Mr. Edwards, in turn, uh, contacted the Ministry of Defence um, and an RAF officer, uh, Flight Lieutenant Cowan, then visited mm-hmm. the hotel... Uh, in his report, he wrote, Mrs. Granville told me that one night in April of this year, she saw a round object like the moon falling down land in a field at the back of her property. Uh, two very tall faces humanoids got out of this object and appeared to take measurements or gather things. Uh, he said he examined the landing site but found no evidence and could offer no explanation. He finally a- oh, good. yeah totally. He finally added that should a UFO arrive at RAF Brody, we will charge normal landing fees and inform you immediately. <laughs> oh, That's, what an asshole! That is classic flight lieutenant Cowan, Cowan right there. Yeah, that is a classic Cowan. Um, <laughs> uh, he did uh, mention the possibility that a local prankster might be at work. A local prankster with access to a faceless face mask. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's a very elaborate hoax. It is a it is a very elaborate hoax. Yes. Um. I I never I never dismiss the possibility of a hoax, but that one is pretty spectacularly elaborate. Um, mm. and he also commented that the description of aliens from many witnesses. Uh, fitted exactly the type of protective suit that would have been worn in the event of a fire at one of the local oil refineries. Uh, these kind ah. of silvery uh, suit things. Um, yeah. <laughs> and in 1996, uh, apparently a 44-year-old businessman admitted he'd wandered around the area in a silver suit uh, that year as a prank. <laughs> I mean, this whole town is just full of knee-slapping... Um, But yeah, the fact that the the RAF police investigated and suspected Mm. a hoaxer uh, may have been responsible for some of the Welsh UFO fits uh, which were to follow. Um, One report by Hilary Evans uh, heard that two members of a round table club were responsible for sightings of spacemen and came up with the idea after borrowing silver-lined asbestos suits for a fancy dress evening after the children's sighting. Wait, they were lined in asbestos? No, 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 sorry, they were silver-lined, uh, and they were asbestos suits. This sentence is structured poorly. Uh, I was quoting someone. They were used for the removal of asbestos. They were not suits uh... that were made of asbestos, because that is a horrible idea, unless yeah. you are in a situation where the option of being on fire is worse than the option of being covered in asbestos. Yeah. Which might happen. It could. You know, I never throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's why I keep my asbestos suit in the cupboard at all times. (laughs) Just in case. Just Just in in case. case. Um, And in 1996, a BBC presenter tracked down one of the jokers who said he was responsible for the sighting, basically. Mm. Uh, you know, strolling. He says, he said, I took a stroll around for a bit of fun. I remember when I visited the garden of a certain lady who took a, who later called the police. Then I had to dive into a hedge because she appeared to be aiming a rifle or a shotgun at me. <laughs> <sighs> um, 
don't fuck with no, her. No, but Mrs. Mrs. The old lady in Hot Fuzz with the good. Um, yes. But uh, Mrs. Granville insists that uh, what she saw wasn't a hoax, um, and that she. I mean, yeah. you're not gonna say it was. She's not gonna say it was, but she said she was convinced that whatever she saw was not human. Um, there okay. was another sort of famous incident um, uh, that happened to one particular family, uh, the Combs family, who mm. lived at Ripperston Farm, um, which was also an area where the Round Table allegedly committed their pranks. Um, the, and their encounters included seeing flying lights, um, constant mechanical failures, mm. uh, a seven-foot-tall silver-suited being with a black visor on its eyes outside their window. Ah! That's horrible. Yeah, it is. And my personal favourite, cows teleporting between fields. <laughs> Which is like, do you remember that? Do you remember, do you remember Magical Trevor? Mm, I did you remember not, the name. Did you not use the internet in the mid-2000s? Like the, you, you know the, oh god, um, uh, it's by the, uh, 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 I can't, you, <laughs> I'm tr- I'm trying to explain Magical Trevor and I can't. It was like you know you know you know those dumb flash animations and there's one about narwhals and stuff and there yeah. Was- yeah yeah it was one of those and it was about a guy uh... who could magically teleport cows. Uh, I thought okay. it was funny okay but it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but uh, yeah again uh, ho- um, pranksters have been blamed for those incidents. You could very easily fake the silver-suited being standing outside someone's window. The cows, I'm not too sure about, because I've never personally handled cows. No. Um, uh, actually, one of the reports I read described the hoaxes as some yahoos, which is a great expression that I need to work into my daily vocabulary. Yes. Um, but, uh, and actually, uh, one article in The Independent proposed something that I thought was both interesting, but also I thought it's not true. They said that, pointed out that that was the same year that, uh, Star Wars came out, the original Star Wars. Mm. Uh-huh. And they were therefore like, okay, so these kids saw Star Wars, and then they thought they saw Spaceman. Spaceman, rather. Um, and I don't think that's true because nothing they've described looks like anything in Star Wars. No. And also, Star Wars is not a film about alien encounters it's a film it's it yeah it's basically like it's kind of like a a western or an adventure movie (laughs) but in space yeah it's a space opera yeah it's a space opera so there's like no reason why i i I really don't think that would influence children if it was like if they'd seen close encounters then that you'd have Mm. more of a leg to stand on but no i don't i don't um star trek (sighs) that's I mean, again, Star Trek, at, at that point, Star Trek was still more about space adventures, right? I mean, it had, mm. it, it had aliens in it, but it was most, it, it, did, it didn't really, it wasn't really about outsiders and, you know, like people living in a community and then outsiders approaching. I think yeah. that's, I think that's the theme that would um, influence them more. Because, I mean, I mean, obviously it, 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 it's, it's also a Cold War allegory is Star Trek. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I don't necessarily think the connect. It's definitely a stronger connection than the Star Wars one. Mm. Um, I think, but um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Star Wars is a very tenuous 
uh, explanation. Yeah, basically. Um, mm. But the, the whole thing is chronicled in a, in a book called The Welsh Triangle by Peter Paget, which I recommend. Um, and yeah, as a closer on that one, as on all of these, we don't really know the answer. Um, but Why not? <laughs> researcher and lecturer Dr. David Clark, who is one of the kind of most respected ufologists, said um, Mrs. Granville's account in particular has remained consistent, uh, which is, mm. you know, uh, a good sign. And also the fact that the RAF did an investigation is unique. So that does lend yeah. some kind of credence towards the whole idea. Absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, that's kind of a flap. <laughs> I know how much you love the word flap, so I'm just going to keep saying it. <laughs> flap. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> um, now, the next one I'd like to talk about uh, is an incident that is called the Warminster Thing. I'll just give you a second to get okay. the laugh out. Um, <laughs> it's very descriptive. It's very descriptive. No, there's actually a reason why it's called The Thing. Mm. As uh, the, the website where I got a lot of this information from, uh, ufowarminster.co.uk points out, uh, the, mm. the word thing was actually used in the UK quite a lot to describe UFOs. Ah. Um, because at the, at this point, the, this takes place in the 60s. Uh-huh. At, at this point, the term UFO was uh, not so common. Um, so the reason, that's basically why it's still called The Thing. That makes sense. Um, but this one uh, takes a different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, there were thousands of witnesses, and again, as with all of these, no real conclusion. Um, and it's detailed best by uh, a man named Arthur Shuttlewood, uh, who uh, wrote a book called The War- uh, the Warminster Mystery. And he's actually a central figure in the case, in the sense that pretty much everything that happened in it seems to be filtered through him. People would report to him mm. about, yeah, incidences that took place. Uh, now, so Warminster is a town in Wiltshire. Um, it's got a strong military presence, thanks to the nearby Salisbury Plain Army training grounds. Okay. Okay. And what differs the thing from some other other UFO sites? I'm just gonna, it, you go, the you thing, can have a little, the, the little, ga- the, the thing and the flap. <laughs> Actually, I don't like that. Cross that. I don't edit no. that out. No, I'm no, the, the thing and the flap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're children. I love being eight years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to be twenty six in three days. Oh, I'm, I'm twenty seven. Gro- Shut up. No, no, I'm just saying I'm a grown up. You are, yeah. You know, my bones hurt. Yep. All the t- all the time. I've That's done taxes. I've t- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've done taxes. I've I've looked at furniture <laughs> and gone, mm, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. You do the whole. Oh, that looks <laughs> useful. <laughs> That looks useful. Anyway, back to the thing and the flap. Back to the thing um, and the flap. What makes this different is that um, this was, at least at first, predominantly based on noise. not ah. on, Yeah, not on sightings. Okay. Um, so, in 1963, several homeowners reported hearing a very horrible noise in the sky at night time. Okay. Um, now, these sounds began early on Christmas Day, 1964... Although, like I said, there were reports of lights being seated, uh, being seated? Come on, sighted. 
Oh god. Um, earlier in, uh, I'm fine. Maybe it's the vanilla coke, although it is very delicious. Don't get me wrong, and refreshing. Or it's the ghost of William Burke. I think he is haunting me. I swear to God, maybe that's why everything keeps going wrong. Because I, I went, I went to look at his stupid skin book the other day and yeah. called him a bit, call him a bitch again to his death mask. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't, but <laughs> uh. I could have done. Uh, but yes, so uh, first of all, in early December, there were reports of a strange lights being seen in the sky. Mm. Uh, but very early on Christmas morning, uh, mm. sounds were heard which were variously described as vibrations and sonic attacks. Uh, so it seems like they were a feeling, not just a sound. Um, yeah. A woman named uh, Mildred Head... Uh, described that her ceiling uh, seemed to come alive with strange sounds that lashed at the roof, first like twigs, then like giant hailstones. Uh, important to mention there was no hail going on outside. Good to mention. Um, at the time, yep. Yeah. There was also a strange hum, growing louder than fading, turning mm. into a low whistle or a wheeze. Now, on the same morning, over 30 soldiers at a nearby camp were awoken by what sounded like a chimney stack being ripped from a roof and scattered across the ground. And a, and a woman named M- Mrs. Marjorie By, on her way to church, was gripped by a terrible noise, a wailing, whining drone. She described it almost as if she was being held down by the sound. Um, That's awful. Exactly, yeah, quite an oppressive sort of... Mm. And uh, a final witness, uh, who was named Mr. Roger Rump. (laughs) I fucking knew it. (laughs) I knew it. I'm so happy. I know you're so happy, that's the worst part, I hate this. The rump, the thing in the flap. I'm in hell right now. (laughs) This is what hell feels like. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, Mister <laughs> Mister Rump, who saw the thing in the in the flat, I think we've covered all. Po- oh God, my mind is coming apart so early. He described identical sounds and thought his roof was being ripped off. Oh, yes, uh, but no UFOs were sighted. So just the noises. Just the noises. Interesting. Um, and- and people continued to hear noises, around 49 witnesses in total, up until uh, 1965. Oh. When, uh, on August 17th, a huge blast rocked the Boreham Field housing estate, with jolts and explosions felt underfoot. Uh, one resident ran outside to see what the hell was going on, and as saw, you as you, indeed you would, saw a monstrous orange flame in the sky shaped like an electric bulb. It faded, becoming a ball of smoke with a yellow core, travelling down to the ground and hissing, crackling whenever it hit the trees. Another witness described it uh, dispersing in broken wisps. Two houses suffered broken windows. Um, So there was, you know, a fair amount of physical evidence going on here. Absolutely. Uh, The military denied all knowledge of uh, anything, pretty much. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Shuttlewood, our intrepid hero who was going around investigating mm. uh, said he ruled out thunderbolts um, unlikely okay um, but perfectly possible um, there are further UFO sightings continued to happen though always accompanied by the strange sound 
One witness uh, described the noise as most upsetting. She felt like there was a tight band of steel around her forehead, uh, a pounding and a hammering at her eardrums. Um, Yes, exactly. Which kind of fits in with the the oppressive sounds that the woman earlier described. The idea is of the um, it being oppressed. This is also interesting because there is a phenomenon known as the hum. Uh, which I don't know if you've heard of it, um, I've but not. Uh, it's worth looking up. It's um, and it has been quite commonly heard in Britain, although there's thing uh, there's um, reports of it all over the world. Um, basically, oh. it's just um, uh, I, I'm just googling it now to make sure <laughs> I'm describing it properly. Is it like the bloop? It's kind of in the same category, except it's more unexplained than the bloop because we basically know what the bloop is. Uh, what was the bloop? It was an ice quake. Ah. Which is okay. still frightening because global warming, etc. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, the hum is basically a persistent and invasive low-frequency humming, rumbling, or droning noise not audible to all people. Um, oh. Common, they've been all over the world, but uh, the UK and the United States seem to be the most common, uh, with one That's in a very... Weird. Yeah, very prominent ones in uh, Bristol, for example. Um, so, you know, that is also not an unheard of incident, but this one seemed physically damaging, unlike this other hum, which is just kind of annoying. Um, (laughs) another graphic, um, account was given by a man named Eric Payne, who at 11pm was walking down a dark, foggy, quiet country road when he heard a sound, he said it was like the wind in telegraph wires. Um, it increased in intensity and he was eventually pushed and held down by... A tremendous racket, like a gigantic tin can with huge nuts and bolts inside it, rattling over oh your head. God. He heard a shrill whining and a buzzing, which, he said, nearly drove him mad, pushed his head from side to side. And he, he said, I might as well have left my arms and legs at home for all the use they were. <laughs> exactly. I simply could not stop this tremendous downward pressure. I crawled along the road for a bit and then sank to my knees on the grass verge. Um... <laughs> So that's uh that's wild. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty frightening um cuz we so all the re- all the reporting the reported sightings of it have it as this kind of flaming thing, usually yeah. orange in color. Um but uh it's the sound that seems to be the really big kicker here. Um mm. now and there are photographs of it as well and this is where I wish I had you know, uh, pictures to show you uh, there's one particularly famous one by a photographer called Gordon Faulkner who claimed to have photographed it uh, if you google I'm gonna look, it, look up. it up yeah, you can you can see it online uh, just google what do I google? Uh, google Warminster thing and it, okay. it'll come up make sure you have safe search on um, and in the 1990s, uh, a man came forward and said he helped him fake it, but Faulkner denied even knowing this man. Um, mm. so, yeah, as you can see the photo, it's not terribly clear. Uh, Warminster the- a site called ufocasebook.com. Uh, I don't know if you see, it. see it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. You see it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it looks like a classic sort of UFO. So mm. it doesn't really capture the... Well, anything that made it extraordinary. Um, Mm. And it became something of a nationwide phenomenon. Uh, Pilgrims actually showed up to hold vigils on the nearby Cradle Hill. uh, Okay. Which Mr. Shuttlewood guided. (laughs) 
Why though? Uh, fun. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Because as far as I can... Not much to do in Warminster. I don't know how much money he made off this, because obviously he made money off writing books, but uh, he's, a, he's a genuine enthusiast, um, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. So I, can I think tell. he was just in it to win it, really, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, <laughs> but um, as, um, as usual, I like to talk about why. Um, mm. So this one's interesting because... The whole thing took place over about ten years with lots of witnesses. Um, potentially, so pretty legit. Yeah, potentially, of course, uh, we can never discount something like mass hysteria. Mm. But now, I don't know enough about ma- the psychology behind mass hysteria, but the the sound aspect of it is very interesting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Obviously, one big, big possible explanation is the military presence nearby at Salisbury mm. Plain. And, uh, they have denied anything to do with it, but they frequently... Yeah, they frequently... It's it's the biggest military training ground in the UK. Mm. Uh, there's, there's firing, there's artillery training, bombing runs, you know... That happens all the time, but the the problem with that is you have to ask yourself, why just in this specific period? Why did it stop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where did it start? And what the hell were they training? What they... <laughs> war! 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 War and more war. It's what they do. Part of my job is hanging out in the civil... Uh, not the, the the military aviation hangar. Because uh, uh. I work at an aircraft museum. Um, and... I, I can... Just looking at the craft and like the videos of some of them, I can believe that they would be capable of if they were working on technology like the sonic boom for example oh yeah 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 but i don't think it would have the effect that you know because i mean uh when was it because supersonic flight had already been achieved at that point it was in 1969 Mm. that it went commercial with with uh with with concord Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it would have been that per se, but no. I think I think the most likely explanation in this case is probably military related, probably. Mm. Mm-hmm. I uh, agree. But it's still one heck of an interesting, oh yeah, you know, incident. Um, and pretty unique. Yeah, I, I, I like the. I've never really heard of UFOs making such a sound before. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the, the sound was clearly coming from the sky as well. That's why mm. I'm saying UFO, not just unidentified incident or the hum. It's it, it's not an example of the hum. It's no. yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm quite fond of that case. Yeah, it's good. I like it. How do you feel about moving on to case number three? Def- I'm very excited. Okay, so this one. It's a quite it's quite a straightforward little incident. It's a singular incident, um, and it took place in Scotland. Uh, it took place in Livingston, which is actually very close to where I grew up. Um, okay. Yes, and there is a great or there was a, I don't know if it's still there. I hope it's still there. A water a swimming pool called Bubbles there, which had the most bodacious slides imaginable. <laughs> and honestly, whenever I think of Livingston, I think of those slides. So yeah. you know. Um, This one took place in 1979 Mm. It it happened to a man named John Taylor Who was a forestry worker Now um, before I sort of start talking It's worth mentioning that um, 
This is very close to the area known as the Falkirk Triangle. Um, uh, another triangle. Yes, the another triangle. The Falkirk Triangle uh, in Scotland, uh, which is actually the number one UFO sighting hotspot in the world. Huh. Yes. Um, the centre of this being a town called Bonnybridge, which is also uh, is also quite close to where I grew up. Um, I'm not really going to go into that much because, honestly, there's not a whole lot to the Falkirk Triangle beyond, like, lights in the sky. Mm. And it's even... A lot of sceptics believe the whole thing's kind of encouraged by uh, the local... Um, uh, the local is it the sorry is he the mayor or is he the MP? He's something. He's he's, he's some kind of political power in the area. Um, local it's good for the tourism trade. So, uh. so yeah, so pe- people uh, people are theorizing that it's being pushed by them in order to. Although I don't know. It's um I I I've ne- I I didn't know anything about it until I started researching because they certainly don't publicize it in Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's also worth mentioning that there are military sites nearby, and also there are two international airports very close to the Falkirk uh-huh. Triangle. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. grain of salt and all that. But anyway, this incident um, took place, it's called the Detchman Woods Incident. Uh, so John Taylor, the forestry worker, had was parked up um, near the M8 motorway. Uh, he took his dog, who was called Lara... Um, Excellent name. I know, it's a lovely name. On a wee walk down a forest path up Dutchman Law, which is a hill. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So, as he walked, um, he sighted on the path, uh, quite suddenly, what he described as a hulking grey globular object. And it was Oops. either sitting on the grass or hovering. It was about uh, seven yards, which is 6.4 metres apparently in diameter, circular and dome-like and made of a dark metallic material with a very rough texture uh, a, a bit like sandpaper or something okay mm-hmm. now as he stared at it the craft released two objects that he described as looking like sea mines um so you know kind of uh, ball-shaped um, with spikes with what they did was they rolled across the ground towards him um, making a plopping sound accompanied by a foul burning smell, and then they produced small spikes, which uh, okay. yes, which jammed into the legs of his trousers and dragged him towards the craft. And it was at this point that he passed out. Wise. Yeah, I would pass out too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be conscious for whatever's about to happen. Nope. <laughs> which is a thought nope, process I have. I have a lot. Um, but he woke up uh, sometime later in the exact same position. The object was gone, uh, mm. and he was feeling achy. Uh, he was feeling achy. His clothes were torn, um, and he ha- uh, and as were his trousers, um, kind of where the spiky things had been. And yeah. yes, and he had some scrapes, some bruises. Nothing major, but you know, obviously something had happened. Um, what about the dog? The dog was fine. Dog's, dog was absolutely fine. The dog was a, the dog was apparently barking and freaking out. Um, Good. Yes. So he got up and he tried to drive home, but his truck wouldn't start, so he walked. Um, he arrived home in a state of agitation, obviously dishevelled, mm-hmm. torn up, and his wife called the doctor and the police. 
uh, apparently she was quite dubious about the spaceship thing, um, but could but realised that something bad had happened to him. Uh, the yeah. the doctor treated him for grazing to his chin and thighs, so he wasn't badly injured or anything. Um, but the police uh, actually investigated the incident. Um, note and they noticed the marks on his body were consistent with the story he was telling them. So they accompanied him back to the site where they found odd marks on the ground, described as ladder shaped, um, as well as smaller marks for where the small sea mine things would have been. Um, and this prompted them to treat the whole thing as a criminal assault and begin an investigation. Oh, that's like legitimizes it. Totally, but um, no leads were ever really found and no arrests were made. Um, mm. So it, I think it is still an open case technically. Um, okay. But there's it's 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 a cold one if it is. Um, now ufologists love this story. Um, partly because it's, um, as of now, the only, um, UFO story to ever receive a criminal investigation, Mm. uh, which is, yeah, as you said, it legitimises it, but also because, um, uh, because of Taylor himself, um, he had a reputation as being very reliable, very honest man. Yeah, so good witness. Yeah, you can you can actually watch an interview with him on YouTube, um, mm. where he describes the incident, and he does come across as very sincere. Um, mm. He's got some great character witnesses, like his whole life, uh, had a very stable reputation. He did not milk the story for publicity. That's always a good sign. Yeah, like he didn't do loads of interviews or try and sell books or anything. Mm. Um, he unfortunately passed away in two thousand seven. Um, but actually, but maintained that it had happened the whole time. That's, that's very legitimate. Yeah, and even if it wasn't an alien, I believe that, I I recommend watching his interview, I believe that he believes what he says. Mm. You know? Um, and there is actually now a plaque at the site where it happened. Huh. Erected by enthusiasts. Oh. But, (laughs) but, um, of course there are also sceptics in this case. Of course. Now, in a 1979, skeptic Stuart Campbell, who's a UFO debunker, basically, visited the site with the police after he noticed PVC pipes in a neighbouring field and mm. discovered that the Water Authority had laid a cable duct close to the landing site and proposed that this is why there were marks on the ground. Uh, right. Meanwhile, uh, Patricia Hannaford... Sorry, uh, Dr. Patricia Hannaford, who is the founder of the Edinburgh University UFO Research Society and an actual medical doctor, proposed mm. that he had suffered an isolated attack of temporal lobe epilepsy, which would explain fits, hallucinations, uh, strong smell and uh, loss of consciousness. Yeah, that would, I mean, that would absolutely explain it. Yeah, totally. And quite a lot of other uh, people are also into this theory. Um, mm. So it's like, could this be the answer? Like again, that's that that could also be consistent with his story because yeah. he's telling the truth as far as he knows. Yeah. He's just telling what he saw and smelled and felt. But um, yeah, so that would make sense as to why he's like, no, no, this happened. Exactly. Because as far as he's concerned, it did. As far as he's concerned, I mean, he still had a traumatic experience either way. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But yeah, so I would. I, I'm I'm inclined to be skeptical towards UFOs, um, obviously. Although I do, I do love reading about them, so 
that is my personal favourite explanation for this particular mm. story. Um, but again, like I say, it, it does p- take place in an area where UFO sightings have been very, very common, even before they were kind of milked by uh, the local authorities as much as they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, would, I, I, I just I end up putting pretty much all of them on the maybe pile, apart from the ones that are mm-hmm. obviously fake. Uh, but yeah, that is it for my kind of close-up examination of encounters. Oh. Now, what I would love to do now mm. is discuss the why of it all. Okay. Why UFOs? Why? 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 And also, um, a look at um, an actual investigation that was undertaken by uh, the government into the phenomenon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. Down for that? Okay. So, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Project Condine. I believe it's pronounced Condine. Um, That's what I'm going to say. Now, this was a a British uh, operation performed between 1997 and 2000 by the government's uh, defence intelligence staff. It's very secret, Mm. very mysterious, very enigmatic. Uh, Except the entire Mm. thing is available to read online. It's been declassified. Um, yeah, and I recommend you do. It was all those things. It was all those things. Yeah, it's not anymore. It, it's kind of fun because it starts off with, like, for for certain eyes only, and you're like, ooh, I've got a top security clearance, and you, you can pretend <laughs> you can pretend for a bit that you're an important person who matters. Um, but you can, you can read the full report at the nationalarchives.gov.uk. Um, you can also read a bunch of other sort of disclosure reports at uh, disclosureproject.org, which has files not just from the UK, but also from the US, uh, New Zealand, Russia, mm. Canada, Denmark. Totally recommend checking that out. Uh, again, can't possibly go into all of it because there's just too much. But um, mm. it's it's a really... <laughs> the, um, it's a really good read, but... Uh, so... Spoiler alert, no aliens... Just a little spoiler. Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't want to. <laughs> this report was released in May 2006 after a 2005 Freedom of Information request by UFO researchers, um, though the actual authors of the paper are still unknown to the public. Um, and also um, worth noting is that it refers to UFOs as UAPs. Um, Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yes, unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, presumably to distinguish from the alien implication and, like, get into, like, what encounters actually are as opposed Mm. to what this dude thinks they might be. Um, But, yes, the report I have read in full, and it is very interesting. Uh, It's official, boys, though. Uh, Basic conclusions are that UFOs have an indisputable observable presence uh, but there is absolutely no evidence that they are either hostile or manned uh, or uh, aliened I guess mm. uh, by anyone uh, <laughs> I yes. see what you did there absolutely um, <laughs> yeah it's kind of a breakdown they exist but they're not spaceships they are natural atmospheric and other phenomena some of which are not fully understood or which I will discuss in a hot second um, although rare, they may pose a hazard to air traffic. Um, right. And the report is very into the idea of um, uh, plasma. 
just in general? Uh, I mean, aren't we all into plasma? Um, <laughs> the natural phenomena such as plasmas could be dangerous to aircraft. Um, and it, it's thought that... Now, um, okay, I, I might as well mention ball lightning now. Um, although yeah. I'd already saved it. Like, that's um, one of the ideas for what UFOs might possibly be, is a phenomenon known as ball lightning. Um, mm. It's a phenomenon that's ill-recorded and uh, doubted by some. It's uh, supernormal, is the word, mm. uh, which just means we know that it exists, but it's really rare and weird and we don't really understand it yet. Um, Fair. That's me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But is that is it, that's just what your birth certificate says. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, it's got decades worth of recorded viewings from Tsar Nicholas II, Alistair Crowley. Um, it shows up in a bunch of fiction like Little House on the Prairie, and oh, it was in um, it was in Tintin as well. Isn't it also um mentioned a lot in Bermuda Triangle stuff? Yes. Um, and I th- I think ball lightning is also related to uh, the Foo Fighters phenomenon. Um, not the band. Not the band, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the f- Foo Fighters are basically um, sort of unexplained little balls. Please don't. Come on, I have faith in you. Um, that uh, was sp- sp- uh, cited by um, pilots during World War Two. Mm-hmm. It's what it's the nickname they kind of gave stuff that they couldn't quite understand what it was. Um, okay. And that's often sort of. Conf- Are you still laughing at balls? I held it in. You thought you could, but <laughs> Christ on a I bike. I held it in. You didn't. I'm. I did. I'm just. I'm not gonna draw attention to it next time. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to say something, you know, like maybe I'll be talking about an event that took place in, I don't know, the Australian town of Titibong, which is a real town. And I'm just going to say the word and then I'm going to steamroll on through and you will laugh and you will be embarrassing yourself and I will emerge clean with my reputation intact. Or Titicaca. Oh, is that a town too? Okay, that's pretty funny. Uh. Yeah, it's like Titicaca. <laughs> Ah, I win. Okay. Uh, anyway. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, other summaries that they do not pose a threat to UK airspace. No evidence that they are aircraft from hostile nations. Uh, there has been no collaboration between the UK and other countries on subjects of UAPs. Uh, some may represent military black projects from friendly powers. Uh, again, I'll talk about that again in a sec. Um, there are no artefacts left by them or radiation traces, any useful video or still cameras held by MOD, Ministry of Defence that is. Mm-hmm. Um, Ministry of Defence is keenly interested in research by scientists in the former Soviet Union into them and their possible military applications. Um, and sort of, uh, it was pointed out that uh, there was definitive links between clusters of UAP reports and meteor showers. Uh, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, and the Ministry of Defence kind of... Uh, what they said was... Um, the, the main outcome of the study was they recommended that we do further research um, into the possible mm. military applications of plasma-type phenomenon. Um, okay. Now, there are sceptics of this report. Um, uh, of, this re- of this report. It's been pointed out that... Um, it was largely based on existing written record of sightings, 
uh, and that no mm. interview they were not allowed to interview witnesses um, for the yeah. raw data essentially plus the time scale was pretty short um, so mm. you know an in-depth st- I mean, the sample size has been criticised basically so saying this this, this uh, report is not entirely scientific yeah which is like the basis of any kind of science ex- um, experiment yeah yeah um, you need like a good sized sample group, otherwise the results are meaningless. I think an inter- one that involved interviewing would do a lot better. And like I say, there mm-hmm. have been further investigations. Um, I'm sure there are, there's, there are some still being done that will be declassified in the future. Um, that ho- mm-hmm. hopefully will, you know, go more in depth and then we'll be able to read them one day, and, you know. Um, but um, based on uh, the next the next leg of my research was on common explanations for UFOs. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, these are the ones that ca- kind of came up in the report a lot. Um, and I just wanted to yeah. talk about how... So, basically, the to believe that you've seen a UFO, the number of possibilities you have to first eliminate is absolutely staggering. Because... Mm. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, first of all, off the bat, a lot of these take place at low visibility. Um, yeah. Which always clouds it somewhat. Um, and then also, we have to talk about the fact that a lot of this happened during the Cold War. When... Yeah, when there was a lot of air traffic. There was a lot of air traffic. And also, um, someone admitting ownership of a shady aircraft could have very far-reaching mm. political consequences. So mm-hmm. even, so say, a Russian aircraft, even if it was doing something innocent, like, I don't know, they were flying to a, a, a Jefferson airplane concert, I don't fucking know, whatever it was doing, um, <laughs> if they were caught in the... What would you do if you lived in Russia and it was 1969 and you had a plane? Um, not move to Chernobyl. That's a good answer, actually. Um, <laughs> that's a very good Thank answer. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, it, it makes sense that there's vagueness around a lot of these things because you know people might not mm. necessarily want to admit that they'd been sending aircraft into the air. Um, also, yeah. um, the fact that the military tests stuff. Um, the military is a secretive organisation and it makes perfect sense that they are vehicles that need testing and perhaps they are not necessarily public information when they are first taken for a spin. They're not really sharing that. No, uh, for security reasons, of course. Of course. I think I think the thing is they basically hang on to information f- as long as they can. Like, um, I recall, was it the, the planes that were used in the... Al Qaeda um, attack in 2011 um, mm. were actually of a type that had not been previously uh, released to the public, so to speak. Ah. Yeah, I and I, I'm I'm explaining this badly, but that is my understanding of the end. But because they used them in this very well publicized attack, and they mm. ended up basically having to leave them uh, behind, they had to come out and say, "Yes, we have these planes that are ad- this advanced." You know, mm. um, and again in the aircraft hangar, pretty much everything about all the military craft say stuff like this was worked on in secret for a bit, and then it was you know, so yeah. um, yeah, so I mean, there's there's t- 
technology out there that we don't know about yet that that the mm. the the government the military are sitting on and that's not being a conspiracy theorist to say that yeah. that is that is true um, it's in the military's nature exactly um so you know that's also an explanation for odd phenomenon happening maybe for example technology signals being jammed or just seeing a weird mm. looking vehicle that you don't recognize um, mm-hmm. But yes, moving away from the military, let's look at some more innocent explanations. Um, so obviously we've got other aircraft, uh, planes, uh, microlites, mm. drones, uh, autogyros. I wrote that because there is one at the museum and it's delightful. What is an autogyro? It's kind of like a steampunk helicopter. Ooh. It's not quite steampunk enough, but it looks like you could definitely deck it out to be steampunk. Mm. Um, it's it's like a one-man helicopter type thing, that, um, okay. but it, it doesn't propel itself using its um, uh, the propeller on top. It propels itself using the... It's got a propeller in the, on, in the back as well. Oh, uh, I've just looked it up. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, if you'd never seen one of those, though, you might be like, what the hell is that? Especially, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, now the t- oh, of course, we've got to bear in mind, the typical UFO shape is cigar-shaped, a flat disc observed mm. from the side, um, you know, which doesn't match all these descriptions. It's kind of the shape that a Zeppelin is, actually. Yeah. Except a lot smaller and you you don't yeah. really see zeppelins anymore which is a shame because they're awesome and i love no. them oh my god i love zeppelins they, they have so a much. habit of bursting into flames and uh, not if you don't use hydrogen in them uh. that's the main secret please please tell me that's the You've correct cracked it. i've cracked the code if i was <laughs> if i lived in 1930s germany i would oh i'd be a, actually no i wouldn't i'd be very poor and then i'd probably get murdered um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still. Um, but yes, uh, another one is Chinese lanterns. Ah. Uh. Again, for an obvious reason. Uh-huh. Um, especially if um, this... The, this wasn't written down, but I was thinking about this. Um, if they got something caught on them, like yeah. obviously, so, obviously something very light, like mm. it may be a very light material... Um, that would also cause it to have a different shape than a Chinese lantern, which would make you more inclined to think, what the fuck is that? When you say Chinese lantern, do you mean yeah. those ones that, like, straight families release en masse? Yes. Okay. That I, I don't think any Chinese families use yet. I mean, like, I mean, like, Entangled. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which are, they're very pretty, uh, but, but they're very also environmentally damaging. That's exactly what I've written down. Very bad for the environment, which uh-huh. is um, some people actually like tie them down. Well, that's something. Yeah, which I think okay, that might work. But um, honestly, I just watch I just watch Tangled if I want to see loads of lanterns because mm. it's really pretty. And then they have the song and his. You know, her parents release the lantern for her every year. <laughs> I cried at the end of that movie. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Same. Uh, Sorry, what was I? Oh yeah, okay. Um, and now, uh, oh, okay. My personal favorite explanation. Oh, okay. Let's get this. Let's get this little one out of the way first. Marsh okay. gases. What? Marsh gases. Oh. Which would explain strange lights seen airborne. Um, yeah. Now this, 
this is also what you know will of the wisps is uh-huh. what, they're, what they're called as well mm-hmm. so it's also um a sighting or is it robin greenfellow or something is supposed to have a lantern that you've it's thought that um like fairy lanterns uh, could be marsh okay. gas you know uh, bioluminescence yeah yeah um which would explain sightings of strange lights although they'd obviously be very sort of low to the ground mm. but you know that's still something still fun um still something uh, but this is my personal favourite explanation, uh, and that is weird-ass clouds. Ugh. Okay. Amazing. Specifically, the cloud known as lenticular, which I recommend you Google along with me as I speak, because... I will Google. Because, um, I, again, I wish I had pictures to show you. Oh, that's weird. Yes. So these clouds, um... They form in the troposphere, which is the lowest part of the Earth's atmosphere, and are most commonly seen near mountains. Uh, they can, but they can honestly appear pretty much anywhere. I'm not going to get into it, but it's mostly related to air currents becoming trapped on protuberances from the Earth, mountains, mm. but also man-made structures, so potentially in a big city. Um, but yes, these these look very much like the classical idea of oh, absolutely a UFO. Yeah, I've seen quite a lot of them actually. Yeah, they're quite common where I live, and they are they are quite a, a sight. I mean, most of them you look at them and you're like, yeah, that's a cloud. Um, mm. But it, you know, if it's if the lighting's right, you you can look at it and be like, oh, that looks like a, you know, yeah. if it's if it, at sunset in particular, you're like, oh, that looks like a UFO. I will post one on the Instagram. Y- they can appear metallic even in the in in the lighting. So that's one explanation that I enjoy in particular because honestly, this is I, I like clouds. Clouds are good. I really like clouds. I like explanations of clouds. Do you know I I once saw this really fucking weird cloud formation. What did it look like? I I was walking home and it was like you know when you're walking through a storm and then you get to one bit of storm where there's no storm. Yeah, the the eye of the storm. Yeah. But like it was. Like a donut of cloud. Interesting. And I was in the the donut hole. I think that <laughs> it would genuinely look like the apocalypse. Donut hole. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um. Oh, I've got a list of other strange clouds. One of them. Oh. I'm wondering if this might be what you're describing. Um, okay. It's called the Full Street Hole, which is also known as a punch hole cloud which looks like a big circular or elliptical gap in the heavens, basically. Mm. Um, Google it now and let me know what you think, because... I will. Yeah, that's it. That's it? Oh, good. Yeah. That's cool. That's exactly what it looked like. Mystery solved, then. Yeah, it was genuinely quite terrifying. Yeah, but th- those ones are... Um... Yeah, I, I don't know how those ones are formed. Um, no. It, it must be to do with storms, like you were saying. If you, if they. It says here, uh-huh. according to Wikipedia, mm. uh, such holes are formed when the water temperature in the clouds is below freezing, but the water in a supercooled state has not frozen yet due to the lack of ice nucleation. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, they've really made a really cool thing sound boring. They do. That, that's my main problem with science. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, there's another one also, uh, anvil clouds or cum- mm. cumulonimbus in- incus, incus, incus. I don't know. Uh, but just anvil cloud. Um, mm. Which, if you check that out, it also kind of looks like it might be, you know, Ooh. yeah, a, a structure of some description. There's a great one here. That <laughs> the the 
headline is just Satan appears in massive. I, I'm looking at it and it, it that doesn't look like Satan. That looks like an angry baby. It, <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> like an angry pooty. Okay, um, an Arcus cloud or a roll cloud, which please Google that right now because it's I'm doing very it. intimidating looking and cool. Oh my god. Look at that, right? So this one is shaped... Um, it's seen most commonly, uh, from what I understand, at the edge of the ocean, and it looks like a big kind of shelf? Yeah, there's like a gif of one moving over people, mm. and it's quite mm. horrible. Yeah, and um, they're again, they're harmless, it's just a cloud. Um, yeah. But um, Doesn't mean I have to like it. They are weirdly intimidating yeah. looking. Yeah. Um, and again, um, they are if, uh, formed in such a way that I could understand misconstruing it as a craft of some kind. Mm. Uh, the final one that gets brought up uh, is my favourite cloud of all time. <laughs> um, and it's not exactly craft-shaped, but it is weird-looking and cool. Okay. Um, and uh, it might be mistaken for a fleet of UFOs, and that Ooh. is the ma- that is the Mammatus cloud, a.k.a. the... T- <laughs> A.K.A. the titty cloud. Oh, oh, amazing! Are you looking at the titty? Yeah. Basically, <coughs> they're known as um uh, sky udders. I think is another term, <laughs> but it's it's these it's these strange round-looking clouds yeah. that kind of cluster. It's very sort of undulating, and it does look like a bunch of sort of circular objects in the uh-huh. sky. So someone might look at that and be like, "Holy shit, that's a whole fleet of you!" Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and there are other explanations, of course, uh, also based on sort of human psychology, like mm. people might want to make it up. Yeah, one of them I was talk- re- I was reading about uh, was about abduction and false memory. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, uh, as for abduction experiences, like uh, Taylor's, for example, um, one suggestion is that it could be uh, repressed abuse memories from childhood. Oh, God. So, slight content warning there. I'm afraid uh-huh. I said too late. Yeah. Um, although one researcher, John Mack, uh, reached the opposite conclusion and said alien abuse is real and people turn around and project it on their parents, which uh, I'm going to say... interesting perspective? It's, it's a no from me on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but... I guess, like the idea of it's 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 possible. It's, mm. It depends on how your brain works, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sleep paralysis, uh, as you hit on earlier, because yeah. pe- people do experience stuff in their uh, abduction incidents in their rooms mm-hmm. while they're in bed. Um, so you know, I mean, that's kind of my go-to whenever someone has a ghostly experience, kind of in yeah. bed. Is, it could be a sleep paralysis experience. Um, actually, I've been getting sleep paralysis because I'm on these. Oh, I'm, shit. On, I'm on this new medication, and it either gives me sleep paralysis or it gives me these really vivid dreams that feel like they last for hours. Like, oh god! I had one last night where I went uh, with my parents to uh, a Talking Heads reunion concert in an abandoned <laughs> church, and then I got locked in the bathroom for nine hours and missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's very strange. Yeah, it's not gonna... I mean, talking heads are never gonna get back together, so no. it's not gonna happen. But, um, yeah, sleep does weird things to you, uh, is what I'm saying. Or even lack of sleep does weird stuff to you as well. Both. But as I said before, the sheer number of stuff you have to eliminate before even considering UFOs 
being alien Minecraft is absolutely immense. Mm. Um, there's no one explanation. It's complex and multifaceted, like, well, everything. Mm. But why do people want to believe? Um, and I'm just going to finish off just discussing this for a little bit, maybe. Yeah, sounds good to me. It's not wrong to want to question what is fed to you as fact. Um, I would say it's very good to do that, actually. Yeah, unless what you're questioning is whether the Earth is round. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> then you can fuck off. Then you can get to get to heck, <laughs> and you can get in the sea. Um, and that's, get in but the sea. Get to, that's why we have conspiracy theories at all. Uh, ufology, mm. um, mostly is fairly benign. Uh, that is unle- until you get into a lot of the alien stuff, which is where we inevitably get anti-Semitic, mm. um, as is usually mm-hmm. happening. Um, I also think and very history. Yeah, channel. exactly. Aliens. Um, Aliens. I also think post World War Two we really entered a new relationship with authority and with each mm. other, um, and the idea of covert military operations was a lot bigger. Uh, I- again, mm. we really cannot underestimate the importance of the Cold War and the whole UFO phenomena. Yeah. And in a strange way, uh, World War Two might have felt like it exposed all the different countries in the world as threats, but also laid their secrets somewhat bare. And if we knew these mm. enemies, where would the next big unknown threat come from? Space. Oh. Um, because we were go space race. Yeah. We were going to space explore. But what if there was someone in spe- mm-hmm. something in space already? Um, if the Twilight Zone, etc., and Star Trek uh, explored Cold War anxiety through fiction, maybe UFOs are exploring the same anxieties through reality. Um, quote, unquote. Reality, quote, unquote. Uh, many finger bunny ears around that. Um, this is not to discount anyone's experience. Again, I do believe uh, a lot of the reports, maybe even many of the reports I've described, uh, were by people who really believed what they saw. Um, yeah. And also, there is um, one psychological interpretation by ufoencounters.co.uk uh, brings up Jungian psychology... Um, so basically he was interested in UFOs and his work was in the field of dream analysis, um, which led him to Uh, study symbols. And he found that many symbols were common across different cultures, even those which had no connection with one another. And he, he developed the concept of the archetype, uh, and the archetype is a symbol, which is expressive of some deep need within the human psyche, the collective unconscious, uh, regardless of, you know, culture, upbringing, whatever. Mm. But one of these archetypes is the mandala, the circular symbol of wholeness, which you may have seen tattooed on a white girl's uh, lower back at some point. Oh, so many. (laughs) Um, No, the mandala is actually pretty interesting. So uh, Jung's interpretation Mm. was that the UFOs were mandalas, archetypal symbols of wholeness, which a frightened population imagined in a pseudo-religious yearning for redemption, kind of filling a god gap, so to speak, in a world that had become godless in the face of war. Um, Mm. So, you know, he thought it was indicative of a huge change in the way humans were going to behave in the future, and uh, according to this, he speculated it heralded the onset of a new Mm. astrological age, the age of Aquarius. So we move on to the whole hippie thing, Eh. you know? Don't sing the song. I will not sing the song. I know you're thinking it. But I am an Aquarius. Uh, oh, you are? Oh, interesting. Uh, February 14th. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, I am a Gemini. Most people look, uh, most people go, ugh, when I tell them. <laughs> ah. 
Uh, G- Gemini's are supposed to be the worst. I would argue that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It all depends on the combination of your rising, your moon, and your sun. I don't know what any of my other sides are, so... Maybe they're all Gemini. We can work it out Maybe sometime. they're all Gemini and I'm just an all-round terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You're just the most powerful Gemini to ever live. I am Gemini to the power of four. And I can harness this power to, I don't know, blast holes through walls. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Yes. Um, I'd like to finish this off, if I may, with a quote from Chuck Yeager, who was the first, the first pilot to break the sound barrier. Uh, they actually have one of his suits on display at the museum. Oh, that's cool. It is cool. Uh, and he was asked how many UFOs he had seen while at work, and he replied, none. I don't drink before I fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I like that. And I think I'm somewhat over UFOs. You know what I'm into at the moment? I'm into USSOs. Unidentified submerged objects. Much, Ooh, much sexier. No, they trigger something in me. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this, weren't we? Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's why I like them, because they creep me out more. Yeah, I'd, the next episode involves um, ships. Yes. Specifically sunken ships. Yes. So I looked at pictures and I worked out I have a phobia. Oh, do it's uh, there's um there's a pretty good um sunken uh submarine not that far from my parents' house and uh-huh. they're just so I I get why people I've, I'm more on the side of I do find them frightening but I find them more fascinating so like I will look at pictures of that for hours yeah you know what I mean like um but unidentified submerged object I mean there there I remember reading a case about some people who saw an unidentified circular craft passing under them in the in the sea that was oh. very large and this could have been a stingray it, <laughs> no this was I, I i'm talking like hundreds of meters across oh shit not a, a really really <laughs> really big stingray <laughs> it could be he's <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, there's a ton of interesting stuff in that regard. And honestly, to be honest, I love stuff being unidentified because it means we're always going to be looking out for answers. The truth is out there. And I don't know if I want to believe, but, um... I think it's arrogant not to believe. It's arrogant to not believe that there are no alien life forms out there. It is not arrogant, I would say, to think that they haven't visited Earth. Because No, I, I think it's extremely sensible. I don't think they have. But I no, think No, I, I don't think they have either. But I think they're probably out there and honestly I hope they're having a better time than we are right now. Yeah, they're probably staying away from us and that's valid. They're probably there's a tweet that was like, uh, do we visit them? No, just send them a fruit basket maybe. I don't know, Jesus. <laughs> like if I got abducted by if I got abducted by aliens, I'd be like, "Oh, thank God, you've solved all my problems. Come on, fucking floor it. Let's get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> Take me Take away. Take me away. Also, it would help if they were hot, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'll tell you well, what I can get. I I think that brings us to the end of our little dive. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. My mind feels broadened. <laughs> I pried your third eye open with a crowbar tonight. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hopefully you guys listening uh-huh. uh, like this new setup. Because the next episode will be the same, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but led by me. Yes, it's your choice. 
And I'm very excited about your topic because this is Uh one that you know a lot about. I've already posted what it is on the Instagram, so it's not a secret. It's not that. It's Franklin. It's not that deep. But, uh... <laughs> and it means I can plug one of my friends' podcasts. Oh, wonderful. Which is okay. always nice. Yes, that's always good. Anyway. Anyway. We will see you next time. Yes. And I hope you enjoy. Yeah. See you next time. Stay spooky. Good night. Stay spooky. <laughs>